1: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Rob Vieira, the owner of the ninth place team in the 2019 FFPC main event a contest that will award more than $3.1 million in prizes, including an industry-record $500,000 grand prize. Over the last three years alone in the FFPC, Vieira's winnings total nearly $120,000. In this episode, he and I break down the impact of Demarcus Robinson on lineups going forward, why getting a top-three tight end was so important this year, and much more. You can follow Vieira on Twitter at RobV16. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only thirty percent discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is the 2019 FFPC Main Event Week Two Ninth Place Team Owner, Rob Vieira. On the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown is one Rob Vieira, a guy who is well. Rob, I mean the, the list of your accomplishments goes goes on and on and on. But you've had success at the best ball level, the Football Guys Players Championship level, and and the main event level. And and now here you are again, two weeks into the FFPC main event, and you're what ninth place? I want to say ninth overall out of 2,400 teams. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I got one that's uh, one that's doing okay.
1: One that's, well, it's more than okay. It's really, I mean, like, let's listen, it's eight spots away from it winning a half million bucks in December. So there's gotta be, <laughs> there's gotta be something there. You gotta be pretty proud of that one.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I had a top four last year, which uh, was a juju fumble away from winning the, uh, winning the whole, uh, how- hope this is the year. How,
1: how did that happen? That the, the, the Smith Schuster fumble and not, not to open up old wounds here, but what,
2: what exactly happened on that? Yeah, it's a tough one, so it was obviously the last week, and my team, I'm not even sure if I was in the top 20 going in, so I wasn't even paying attention, and I was out to dinner with the family, and my son pulls it up, and he's like, Dad, I think you're in third place, (laughs) and uh, he pulled it up, and I don't know if you remember, but the St. Steelers game was ridiculous. I think Antonio Brown had about 50 points, who I had, Juju had over 20. Ben was huge. Michael Thomas was huge. I had all of them going. So I think I had put up over 250 points already and Juju got them in the field goal position to tie it with, I don't know, 20 seconds left or something like that and fumbled. But if they kicked the field goal and tied it, I had all those guys going and easily would have gotten the whatever 10 or 12 points I needed. But I, I had. So I was playing with the house money there, I guess.
1: Well, still, that's that's unbelievable, man. Wow, I did not realize that.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it'll one. it'll make it all the
1: sweeter this year if, if you if you win the the half million, which which I wish you good luck on. And and let's talk a, a little bit about the team that you have put forth to try to do that. And uh, the, this team that's in ninth place overall. You go McCaffrey at the 102, and then coming back in the second round, you take Zach Ertz from from Philadelphia. In your opinion, and I think this is sort of a hot-button issue for a lot of people in in the FFPC leagues coming into to, to drafting season, how crucial was it for you to get either Kelsey, Ertz, or Kittle here in the first two or three rounds when you were drafting your main event teams?
2: Yeah, I was absolutely targeting getting at least one of those guys because I didn't want to have a team where I'm – you know, guessing each week whether or not I can start a tight end and or which tight end to start. And really only those first three, maybe four, if you consider Ingram in that almost that second tier, um, were the most likely to earn that that auto start. And when you look at the ADP, there were a ton of landmines, at least when I did this draft, because I drafted this team in that first weekend. Um, so that's when A.B. was going there. Damian Williams, Freeman, Fournette, carry on. Even Thielen and Evans have have really underperformed versus expectations, so gladly uh, gladly scoop up Ertz there.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't re- – I guess like the other thing is too is as much as, you know, people talk about, well, I really want one of the top three tight ends, you know, sometimes that's only part of the conversation. The other part of the conversation is you have to look at who's going around there. And if and right. if you're not in love with any of those backs or receivers, then tight end – even if you're not accustomed to going with tight end in an FFPC format, tight end sometimes is, is the way to go, and it certainly was here for you
2: with Ertz. Yeah, no doubt. I definitely tend to be tight end loving. I've been with FFPC for – Basically, since I think the second year, um, so I love the format, and I I hate getting stuck with uh, like I said, with guessing who to who to throw in there. So yeah, I was very very pleased to get one there. I would have loved to get Kittle coming back, but it didn't happen. And and Robin, I'll I'll say this not
1: to keep the, you know, going down this tight end road here, but even like in the leagues I play in that are not tight end premium. I mean, I still like wanted one of those top three tight ends this year and it obviously didn't fall my way every single time, but I, I got a good number. I I probably have more Kittle than I care to admit. Um and I know I got Kelsey in, in certain spots and Ertz in certain spots. So even if you're you're playing in a non tight end premium format, you know, oftentimes to to get one of the more elite tight ends is is proves more uh, financially uh, viable or, or uh, I don't want to say financially viable, but uh, maybe financially rewarding at the end of the season, than trying to get one of the also rands, you know, one of the, you know, like say a top 10 tight end instead of a top three or a top 15 tight end instead of a, you know, even a top four or five, I think like getting a lead at the tight end position, not that you necessarily need to go overboard, but I think that often proves proves to be pretty fruitful.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I play in one non FFPC league. It's been, Friends League that I've been doing for shoot, probably 20 years and it's my Kansas City friends from when I lived in Kansas City and I took Kelsey in the first round even though I'm the one of two owners that no longer lives in Kansas City and uh, scooped him up gladly and so far so good there.
1: Uh, DJ Moore let's talk about the receivers here he went seven picks before you drafted Curtis Samuel in this league at the 6-11 um, as we flash forward and, and look into the Vieira crystal ball here coming up in December how close in fantasy points do you think Samuel and, and Moore will finish uh, apart from each other when it's all said and done
2: yeah I was very high on both guys and Cam for that matter And I wound up with a ton of shares, especially in the best balls with with both those guys, probably more so Samuel, just because he was cheaper. Um, And, you know, right now, Moore's got a 24-17 advantage in targets. And I think that ratio will narrow some. But to me, Moore is still in a different tier, probably at least a couple points per game better than uh, than Samuel.
1: How does this change with with Cam Newton in his foot now that we know that he is questionable for Sunday? He certainly could miss more time than that, depending upon what reports uh, you're reading out there. How does Cam Newton not being in there and whether it's you know Kyle Allen or, or Will Greer or whoever it is at Carolina, how does it affect Moore and Samuel as far as your fantasy lineups going
2: forward if Newton is not starting? Yeah, I, like I said, I was very high on Cam. I thought the shoulder thing was be, you know past him. Um, but he looked almost as bad as last year, uh, last, last Thursday night. So I don't know, you know, I, I thought Greer might have a chance coming out and then he tanked in the preseason. It sounds like the other guy's going to play. Um, so I think it's, it's like, you know, a lot of these teams where they lost their starter, the whole ship is going to kind of sink a little bit. So I'm a little less bullish on everyone there and hope, hoping that Cam's foot gets right. And then he becomes Cam again real soon.
1: Are you, I mean, is it like a significant downgrade for Moore and Samuel? If Because obviously you're still playing McCaffrey if you own him, no matter what, yep. no matter who the quarterback is. But I look at guys yep. like, like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and I guess in a tight end premium format we could bring Greg Olson in the conversation. But are these guys like all of a sudden, you know, they go from every week, well, I don't want to say every week starts, but pretty close to every week starts, Um, Do they go from from that to, okay uh, until I see something from from the new quarterback throwing to him, I got to keep him on my bench. Are you still rolling him out there,
2: given that nobody's on by yet? Yeah. So I base I had been starting more no matter what. And Samuel has actually been on my a lot of my benches Um, this week. I'm going to roll them both out there going against the cards. I kind of like that matchup, Um, but I could uh, that could change after that. I'm hoping that Cam will be back by. Hopefully this week even, but uh, definitely by next.
1: Yeah, I, I invested uh, a lot into DJ Moore this year, significantly into Curtis Samuels as well, so I am definitely with you in uh, pulling for Curtis, or excuse me, pulling from Cam Newton. I'm willing to go to Charlotte and offer a foot massage. I don't know if that's what it's going to take, Rob, but I'm, I'm willing to offer my services in doing that. Of course, knowing me, that would probably only make it worse. Let's talk about a different <laughs> receiver that actually got off to a, a quick start for you this season. Here's your 902 pick in uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys receiver Michael Gallup. It's a tough break for you, for me, anybody else who owned Gallup this year, as well as the Cowboys, really, to lose them for the next two to four weeks as far as what it's being reported right now. Where do you think the targets go in Dallas? Uh is it just more for Cooper, more for Elliott, more for Witten? Is is Devin Smith involved in this? I mean, does he become viable? Is there anybody like Smith worth picking up and starting until we see the return of Michael Gallup to this lineup?
2: Yeah, so I mean I think the the obvious answer is the bulk of the slacks gonna get picked up by Zeke now that they are going to remove the, the holdout shackles Um, in terms of targets. I can't say Cobb. I know Dave finally convinced me last year in his words and astute analysis that Cobb sucks. Um, (laughs) So uh, I finally got there. Um, I had been intrigued with Devin Smith coming out of school, even though he's a Buckeye. Um, But then, you know, after numerous injuries and he was out of the NFL for a while before landing a league minimum futures contract with the Cowboys um, so he, he was off my radar until he made the team. Um, and he does, you know, he's got some Djax traits and potential. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up an occasional spike week. But to answer your question, I'm not, I don't plan on picking him up or anyone up and starting them um, hoping hope and Gallup gets back on the shorter end of that that two to four weeks and i think most of it's just going to be spread out amongst the guys that are already there
1: yeah i, I think you're right I, I think it's it's a whole question of uh you know the passing pie there down there doesn't necessarily get bigger or smaller they're just cutting it into fewer pieces now and, and it it certainly helps elliot certainly helps cooper witten and, and then the rest of the existing guys there i think you know it'll be interesting to see and this and and for anybody's listening i think i say this just about every week during the season on the high stakes lowdown we're recording this prior to the ffpc waivers going through on wednesday night um you're listening to this after they've already gone through and you're you're seeing who who went already and who got bought off the waiver wire but i'll I'll be certainly interested to see where devin smith goes as far as ffpc waivers go on wednesday night uh and and, okay let's bring it back rob here to to the tight end discussion we kind of talked about uh early on now you had mentioned evan ingram sort of on the second tier but after two weeks of play uh for the tight ends I mean Evan Ingram he, he he's basically been on a tier by himself um over the first 2 weeks with all of the targets he's been getting and he's been taking advantage of that the 411 pick for you in this draft Evan Ingram is he going to keep up his big time production now that Daniel Jones is going to be throwing him passes over Eli Manning how do you see Ingram's value changing if it changes at all
2: Yeah Evan Ingram at 411 was as you would put it, nom 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 nom. Yeah nom nom <laughs> nom 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 nom. <laughs> very tasty. Yeah. So I'm I'm very confident that he's gonna continue to lead the Giants and targets, you know, at least until Shepard and Tater back. So then it comes down to, you know, who's gonna get him the ball. And tip of the cap to Eli for a fantastic career. But, you know, the drop back and crumple technique that he's perfected over the last few years has me yearning for you know, an unproven rookie from a hoop school, frankly. So uh, I think Jones is more apt to actually get passes off. So as long as Ingram maintains his his share of targets, I'd expect him to continue to, to pay off at that
1: 4'11". Yeah, and the other thing, too, working to his advantage, you know, Daniel Jones is making his first start this week, so he's getting first-team starts uh, this week, and he is not going to have the... I, I, don't, I think luxury is the wrong term, but he's not going to have the ability, let's say, to throw to Sterling Shepard, who's out with the concussion, Golden Tate, who's out with the suspension. So there is yep. something to be said that as a rookie quarterback, oftentimes not only do these guys sort of lean on one receiver and use one receiver as a crutch, but oftentimes it is a tight end. And when you have one as talented as Evan Engram, uh, you could certainly make the case that, that Engram's value could could even slightly go up more. Uh, you know, I think Barkley and Engram are, are clearly the two playmakers on this offense. And, and we'll see what happens with Engram. But I think, you know, going forward, as you said, we've seen what Eli Manning can do with Evan Ingram. We've seen what he can do with the Giants offense. And I, I think it's going to be very exciting to see what Daniel Jones can do. And not only just what he can do, but what he can do with Evan Ingram and how he makes him uh, or keeps him fantasy viable uh, going forward, no question. Um, do you, uh, you you look at the a, eighth round pick here, uh, Rob, in, in this FFPC main event draft where you're in ninth place? Do you is it too early to say, boy, I wish I had that eight eleven pick of of Marquez Valdez Scantling back. I, I should have gone somebody else there. Or is it still too early? I mean, is this Packers offense sort of just still feeling things out? Uh, with Rodgers finally getting, you know, under center uh, on a real football field here as he missed the entire preseason um, and now getting in tune with his receivers. Do You think the first two games are simply just the, the preseason for Rodgers and this Packers offense and, and MVS is going to turn it on when they have softer matchups? Or or, or how, do you, how do you see MVS's numbers uh, sort of um, uh, flowing throughout this season and where he ends up at at the end of 2019?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are some guys that, you know, if I had the luxury to swap out, uh, I would do so. But I usually tend to overdraft those guys who play in that season opening game just because you get that do-over option, which is pretty valuable. This year, it kind of backfired. You
1: know, <laughs> it was drafted nobody sit, right? There.
2: Yeah, nobody nobody basically put up startable numbers. Um, but in terms of his value going forward, you know, the Pack have basically, or at least arguably, faced the top two defenses in the league in Chicago and Minnesota, Um, Then you factor in, like you said, that Rodgers didn't take a snap in the preseason and, you know, new coaching and all that. So Rodgers is still an elite quarterback. He had, you know, another one of those throws that only he and Mahomes can make um, this past week. So I'll gladly take his wide receiver, too, at that point. And, you know, I fully expect MBS to to turn things up here going forward.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I spent, you know, I I do this um the this uh afternoon talk show here in Northeast Wisconsin on local radio and and people would would often say, you know, uh, regarding the receivers, uh, you know, who's the number 2 guy? Who who's and it was sort of like either going to be Allison or or Valdez Scantling throughout this this whole summer. And I originally I kind of thought it was Allison because I thought he'd be playing a ton of the slot and in yeah. LaFleur's offense they they tend to throw that way a lot. Um, but then I kind of, you know, I sided with talent and, and I sided with pedigree and, and I thought it was going to be Marquez Valdez scantling. And now here I am two two weeks into the season. I'm ready to be like, well, it's just Adams and Jones on this offense. And then that's it. But you bring up a good point. I mean, like these could be the two best uh, defenses they potentially face all season and granted they have to face them each once more, but to get off the two and Oh, and, 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 you know, I I think that plays a huge role into it. You know, the Packers will be trailing at some point this year and maybe that's when Valdez Scantling breaks off. But I I know that a lot of the coaches and a lot of the uh, pundits up here uh, in, you know, the Northeast Wisconsin really love Marquez Valdez Scantling. And I think like, and Rob, I think you'd agree with, not only is, is, is he just the number two for Aaron Rodgers, but, I mean, he's, he's a pretty talented
2: receiver and, and and still developing his game. Yeah, no doubt. And to be honest, I was actually on Allison slightly more. Um, I, I like to get shares in offenses where they've got quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers. So I have a bunch of both of them. Um, but for the, all the reasons that you said, the fact that Allison was in the slot, the fact that that coordinator uh, tends to to throw there and the fact that allison actually performed well in the small sample that he had where mbs kind of tailed off last year um i definitely have more best ball shares of allison than i do uh mbs but after seeing two weeks when you know mbs was was dinged up that first game so he you know started off well and then wasn't in the game that much um and allison frankly wasn't seeing the field much they'd had a lot of two receiver sets and he wasn't on there. So I'm I'm firmly back in the MBS camp, and I think he is starting to realize some of that potential that everyone's been waiting for. So I'm pretty excited about the prospect of uh, – in fact, I think I'm throwing him out there this week to, to play.
1: Yeah, and, and we'll see what happens against Denver. I know they are – I think they're 7.5-point favorites the last time I saw. Boy, I couldn't believe – that Bradley Chubb and, and Von Miller have combined for zero sacks on the season that that's just insane to me uh, given how talented those guys are as pass rushers but maybe it's the fact that that those receivers that Denver has been going up against um, have been getting open and there, there just has not been time for Chubb and, and Miller to get to the quarterback and then when guys like Chubb do they flag uh, roughing the the passer on him uh, <laughs> late in the game too so that that's certainly not helping Denver any but yeah certainly we'll be paying attention to Allison VMVS going forward Mason Rudolph let's talk about him because he is the new quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers are you putting in any bids for him this week and and again I want to Uh, emphasize that no one is going to hear this before uh, before the waiver deadline but Mason Rudolph are you putting in any bids for him and does this change does the fact that he is going to be the quarterback seemingly for the rest of the season for Pittsburgh uh, does that change what you're doing with any of the Steelers offensive players for fantasy be it Connor or Smith Schuster uh, James Washington or Vance McDonald anybody like that Dante Moncrief is that changing anything now that Rudolph is in there
2: Yeah. So I mentioned that I have a lot of cam shares, um, have a share or two of Ben and I typically only carry one quarterback. So I will be out on the wire this week, picking up somebody. Um, I'm frankly not that high on Rudolph, so he'll probably not be terribly high in the list. Um, but I tend to, to not care that much about quarterbacks. So I'll likely put in a bunch of $1 bids and be fine with whoever I get. Um, In terms of the the impact on the offense, you you know, we talked about it a little bit with Cam. And this is another one where, you know, there's a Hall of Fame quarterback that's no longer there. And Ben is very unique in how he keeps plays alive. So I think the entire offense takes a big hit. Other than, you know, maybe his college teammate and preseason hero, James Washington, who, you know, they clearly have some chemistry. So maybe he gets a slight bump. Um, You still need to start Juju every week, but with lower expectations. Um, but with all the, the at least the pass catchers, you know, Vance, Washington, Deontay, Moncrief, those guys are are sketchy starts at best without Ben doing his thing. I think you have to continue to roll out Connor and or Samuels, depending on who's starting. Um, but the again, that the whole whole tide kind of sinks that a little bit. So I'm um, not not terribly bullish on the Steelers offense, which I traditionally uh, have profited greatly from. <laughs>
1: Rob, let me ask you. So, so getting back to the quarterback discussion between Gardner Minshew, uh, Mason Rudolph, um, uh, Daniel Jones, um, Teddy Bridgewater, is there not a, a whole lot of difference between any of those four guys for you right now off the waiver wire for a guy you know like you who uh, in some of his leagues is in the market for a quarterback?
2: Yeah, like I said, I so I did bids for a couple of my FBCs already, just trying to get those prepped and. Like I said, I put all $1 bids. I think those guys are even lower because there's still some Staffords, you know, some more proven guys that may have even better matchups. But again, I'll, I'll throw my buck out there and get whoever nobody else wants and be fine with slotting them in for a week.
1: Good for you. I love that. The the, the $1 <laughs> bid on quarter, you know, I, I don't think I could do it. I, I just, <laughs> I, you know, Rob, when I, when I'm placing my, my, My waiver bids, I I tend to be. Well, I don't think I can't remember the last time I bid more than a dollar and a kicker for bye week or injury or whatever, but I I hate even spending money on defenses. You know, if if there's a good defensive matchup, Um, there was one league, a thousand dollar fab this week, and um, I think I bid like 60 like 63 or $64 on the Patriots defense. And I got obviously a massive game from, them. and I still, all, all I was thinking about Monday, I'm like, ah oh, man, I wish I had that 60 bucks back, even though it was like a massive score for me to get the Patriots defense. But yeah, certainly with the quarterbacks, man, like I, I need to take a page out of your book. If And th- there is a couple of leagues I was uh, telling a, a couple of buddies this week where I had a couple of teams where my two quarterbacks were, I waited on quarterback and my two quarterbacks are Breeze and Roethlisberger. So I have some work to do there. And the thing that stinks about that is, you know, not necessarily that, you know, I'll, I'll obviously cut Roethlisberger cause he's going on IR, but at what point do you drop Drew Breeze? Because, you know, keeping him on the roster till like week 10 or week 11 for a guy who is what the 13th, 12th or 13th quarterback off the board. Is it really worth keeping him around when you know that you're going to have to be playing, um, you know, uh, replacements at running back and receivers and tight ends for, for, uh, for, for bye weeks and injuries and everything like that breeze to me. And not a lot of people are talking about this. I think it might be a bit of a struggle to keep him on rosters.
2: Yeah, so a couple comments first on the defense so I've already expressed how I'm, I tend to be cheap when I'm bidding but I spend triple digits for the uh, Patriots good for I you I, I had them on uh, I think 10 of my 18 main event teams nice. so that was a good, a good week but it was frankly it was mostly um, laziness and you know I like their go <laughs> for like the next five weeks so I'm like I'm just gonna put one big bid and know that I'm gonna get them and I think the second highest bid was like you know $11 maybe um, so I definitely overspent but now I don't have to worry about streaming for over half my team so I did the same thing with the FPC so I'm I'm kind of covered there on uh, on defense in terms of Breeze do you keep him or not I, I don't you know, I've already kind of expressed that for me there's there's always quarterbacks that you can play that are out there on the waiver wire so to, to chew up a roster spot for you know over half the season um, for Drew Breeze you know if it was Mahomes or something heck yeah but for Breeze, no i'd throw him out there and and take that spot and you know take some running back handcuff or something who might may actually win you in the league yeah, I, I think I'm with you, and it, it's going to be weird to, to
1: to cut him, knowing that that Thomas and Kamara are still on that team. But you're right. I mean, it, it's it's a short season um, when when you're talking about the FFPC or or you know, and some of the leagues I play, in, we're having 11 week regular season. You know, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. That's that's what we're dealing with there. Uh, so I, I think you you kind of need to be aggressive and and know that. Um, listen, outside of Thomas and Camara, there's there's not going to be a whole lot uh, on that Saints offense. And, and there is going to be uh, things that you need to be taken care of with your roster going forward. Getting back to New Orleans, Traquan Smith, Latavius Murray, Jared Cook. Are any of these guys startable with Bridgewater, in your opinion?
2: No, I'm, I'm, I'm a Vikes fan, so I'm really pulling for Teddy. I think he's a good dude. I'd love to see him be successful. But, again, another one of these first ballot Hall of Famers who's no longer – slinging the rock so I you know none of those guys frankly were doing much even with Breeze at the helm so to think that they're somehow going to turn around I've got enough Cook shares that I'd like to see it but based on how he looked last week he he's reverted to his horrible form of most of his career so uh, i do not have high expectations
1: he's, he's getting back to the jared cook we know and love basically <laughs> well no one maybe not love um that's but- speaking of not loving your pros versus joe's team is in a predicament that you informed me uh of, there's there's some significant injuries I, you have several players on ir there there could be more players going on ir can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of your outlook on on still being able or having the potential to win that league there to get that free 2020 ffpc main
2: event yeah, I am in uh, first down punt formation for this uh, <laughs> for this game. I do not see a, a repeat title. In my defense, I was sandwiched between Smola and Bloom in the draft, so I never got any value. Whenever anything started to slide, I you know I was basically calling their shot, and of course they were sniping me on both sides. And then yeah, like I mentioned, I lost four guys to IR before they even kicked off the first uh, game. So that team, I think I I may have been in second like after week one, but it's gone downhill already quickly. And there's really no, no promise. So what can you do? It's a best ball. Can't do anything.
1: Yeah. It's a best ball. I mean, and, and I was talking to um, uh, Rob Levin actually, who was on the high stakes fantasy football hour this past Friday about um, some, you know, some of the injuries that he was dealing with. He was fourth place overall in, in the main going into week two. And he said that some of them are starting to hit them hard, and and you know some of my teams have not been bit by the injury bug yet. And granted, there's going to be a small minority of of teams that really aren't bit by the injury bug all season. But by and large, Rob, we're all going to have to deal with injuries, and that's why I think you know drafting deep teams is 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 paramount to to winning a six figure grand prize. I mean, you have to be able to do that. So even though, and this is my message for you and 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 a lot of the teams that are dealing with injuries right now. Things will even out, maybe not to the degree you hope they will, but I gotta believe that as the season gets deeper and, and guys are getting more beat up, uh, these injury things are, are sort of going to even out or get closer to even out after a while. Yeah, no doubt. What is the, or I should say, who is the main player, uh, if the, if any, or maybe there's more than one player that you're actually aggressively bidding on uh, on the waiver wire this week? I know it's not a quarterback, I know it's not a kicker or anything like that, uh, <laughs> but is, but is there
2: somebody that you're targeting? There there really isn't. I, I mean, I think the the two guys that people are going to hopefully blow their budget on are probably Demarcus Robinson and maybe Aguilar, um, based on last week's results. And I have a ton of both of those guys in best ball, so I'm hoping for good things. Um, but I just don't, you know, I don't think either of those guys are more than a, a great dart throw if you're hurting at flex. They're not guys that you'd dial up each week knowing they're going to get double-digit targets and and play. So I tend to you know, try to preserve my buying, my buying power for later in the season when I'm hopefully prepping a team for a championship tournament versus, you know, trying to get a sort of a dart throw uh, depth guy at this point. So I expect it to be kind of like John Ross and uh, McLaurin, who I was actually a little higher on last week, um, but not high enough to be as aggressive as necessary. Um, and I think these guys are even a notch below that. So... Uh, I will be on the sidelines watching people hopefully chew up their uh, their budgets. Let's let let's
1: briefly just talk about Demarcus Robinson because I, I think a lot of people are going to be very excited about him. I think that you're right that that a lot of people will be blowing a lot of their budget on drafting or excuse me on picking him up off the waivers uh, this week. Is it is the reason that you're kind of staying away because there's still Kelsey there? You know Tyreek Hill will be back in you know whatever four or five weeks. Um, you still have Sammy Watkins you still have those you know Damian Williams and, and maybe Darwin Thompson gets a little bit more run this week is it just the fact that Patrick Mahomes is so good at spreading it around that Robinson will never be a focal point of that offense because to me if he is the number two receiver on that team and he and he sort of um, cements himself as such he's definitely a guy that that I'm, I'm going to be looking at maybe not necessarily starting every week but definitely a guy that I would be looking at at flexing out until Tyree Kill gets back. Tell
2: us a little bit about why Robinson is not a priority for you. Yeah, I mean, I I think even after the game they they interviewed Mahomes and he talked about the fact that I throw it to who's open. You know, Sammy went off week one and then was relatively quiet on a decent number of targets week two, and he said it's just I throw it to the guy who's open. So I think he'll probably get a little more respect from the next defense that they play and, you know, maybe Hardman goes off this next week or I think, you know, Kelsey is always going to get his, I think Sammy is, you know, at the point he's always going to get his targets Um, and the running backs, whether it's shady or Williams or Thompson or whoever, they're going to get theirs. But trying to guess if Hardman or um, Robinson or whoever is going to hit that week to me, again, love, I have, I was taking Robinson in every best ball, you know, in the, the last couple of rounds, um, especially earlier in the year. Um, so love those guys for best ball, not so much for managed.
1: Let's and uh, Rob, you've been very gracious with your time this week, and I certainly appreciate you sitting in with me and, and talking a little fantasy football tonight. Is there, as I as I leave you with this question, is there a player in in week three uh, here that that you think a lot of players are are going to be starting uh, that maybe like an early round pick that you think should actually be on benches, and then also another player that you think um it has a, a lot of sleeper potential this week based on matchup or opportunity or what have you that a lot of uh, ffpc players are going to bench that actually should be in their starting lineups
2: yeah so we actually just talked about the first one so i think anyone who pays up and i think you're going to have to really pay up to get robinson you're going to put him in the lineup so i think you're going to see him in nearly all you know 100 percent of lineups for the for the main event and for the fpc um but i think roto is Listeners know the golden rule, which is "thou shalt not chase points." And you know, if you look at that that stone tablet, it's got a picture of D. Rob on it. So, I'm gonna pass uh, pass on that. On the flip side, I think a lot of people are, you know, it's that that recency bias. A lot of people are likely going to sit Josh Gordon after his 3.9 uh, point game performance this past week. But, you know, it was a, a blowout win with the Pats. They were forcing a B on us. Um, but Gordon still played 79 percent of the snap. So and he was shadowed by the, the lone remaining NFL caliber player in the Dolphins, Xavier Howard. So I think when you get rid of Howard, um, you know, Gordon has some major bounce back upside going against the, the hapless Jets this week. So I think a lot of people are going to see that that three point nine points and say, ah, I'm going to look elsewhere. I'll, I'll throw a dart at Robinson or somebody else. Um, but I think Gordon has just as much or more uh, upside I like it.
1: I I like it. I mean, I don't have Gordon in in a lot of spots this year, but I'm I'm certainly looking to uh, to play him this week. You know, it's just I can't remember the last time I've seen two. Well, I think it was 87. I saw the stat was the last time we saw two NFL teams that are more than 20 plus point favorites in the same week. Um, And it's going to be crazy this week with with that with that Patriots Jets game and then uh, the dolphins cowboys game too to to see how that uh, how that ends up and it's going to be awesome to see how your team ends up this year man with uh with the team in ninth place and the FFPC main event I know you got a lot of football guys teams and and other main event teams that are that are definitely in contention for some serious prizes thanks so much for popping back on here with me this week rob i, I wish you nothing but the best and we'll talk again soon man
2: always fun balky thanks man